0: This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB.
1: It was just an all-around, really a really solid team effort. Like five, our team game, again, I've talked enough about it, but our team game has been really good. And you don't have a team game unless you have everyone contributing and everyone looking the same out there without the puck. And... All four lines tonight were going. Uh, The D were good. And and listen, give LB a lot of credit too because I talk a lot about timely goals. Well, that fifth goal was timely and a lot of timely saves from LB. So that, that was a good, solid team effort.
0: Head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus, speaking there following a 5-2 win. The Winnipeg Jets over the Detroit Red Wings. Cam Poitras here. Jim told Jim, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well today. Happy Thursday. Uh, big Jets win. They keep rolling. 21 games in a row where they've allowed three goals or less. Yes. Hey. Uh,
0: a dominant 7-1-1 one one so far this month.
2: When, um, when was the last time we said, this is a very good defensive team? Hmm. I don't know. This is a really good defensive team. I don't think I've ever said that in the 11, 12 years.
0: I don't know. Let's ask our, get, our guest, Marad Atash, Jets writer with The Athletic. Joining us, Marad. I guess I'll ask you that question that Jim just asked me. When's the last time we've talked about the Winnipeg Jets and how solid they are uh, defensively? And and hello. Thanks for joining us,
3: uh, by the hello. way, too, <laughs> as well. <laughs> hello, Marad. Thanks for joining well, welcome. us. Hello. Happy now answer the question. <laughs> you know one of the things that gets missed from that 2017 18 team is just how excellent they were on defense. They had some of the pairs that were the hardest to get uh, scoring chances against in the entire NHL, and that includes Dustin Bufflin and Toby Enstrom. Josh Morris and Jacob Tuba were doing fine work, and they had the luxury of Myers and Kulikov on that third pair uh, at a time that those guys were, uh, you know, on the way up in their careers. The metrics on that team were absolutely phenomenal defensively, even though we usually talk about all the offense that they produce. Uh, So that's for me the last time, you know, you saw it for half of the next season, but certainly they fell apart down the stretch. By the time it was 2019-20, it was a truly bad defensive team, and they've been clawing up from there. This is the first time they've returned to that sort of, you know, if not the best team in the league, but definitely in that upper echelon of NHL teams.
0: Well Marat, we look at we look at the schedule here and we'll just look at the month of, of November they haven't allowed more than than two goals uh against um in regulation of course they, they they got that one against Montreal so things have really really started to shift um but the big I mean that's something that's really come into form over the course of of this whole season and it's really really starting to take shape here in them in the month of November that wasn't really the big question mark heading into this game. All the talk was about the power play and the PK. The power play, uh, unfortunately, didn't get an opportunity uh, to show some of those changes. Bringing I follow in. Um, what about the penalty kill? It got it was zero for two yesterday. What did you see from from uh, the Jets a man down?
3: Yeah, in two successful penalty kills, it's not enough to say hey everything's fixed. They're a, they're a great penalty killing team again. But they did handle their business and they did have some tough things to, to watch out for because Patrick Kane on the half wall for Detroit's power play is one of the more dangerous players in that situation. He has made hay from there as a superstar for the Chicago Blackhawks for so many years. He knows what he's doing and he's got Alex to across the ice for a one-time option. That's a dangerous look. And Winnipeg gave that team up just once uh, managed to get through it without a goal against other than that. You know, you really liked where the sticks were in their lanes. Uh, Dylan Samberg with some key shot blocks, key pass blocks as well. He and Alex Iafal were able to push up the ice and create a a scoring chance shorthanded too. It was sort of, they handled their business. They got through it and you could tell that it's been a focus of late because there's just a little extra hop in their step, I'd say, on the PK and having active sticks and challenging pucks on the walls as well.
2: If I'm right, and I rarely am, they're second in the league with gold differential at plus 23, Vegas Golden Knights plus 29. So I am right. So that's a big change here on the show Marat. But um <laughs> like gold differential is something I, I I look at and I'm like, well, tell me who's on the roster, how it's going with the power play, this stuff like that. Um this team has I mean it's almost unrecognizable to to a certain extent of of the good things they're doing. Um, And then we hear about the players like Josh Morris, you mentioned it goes back to last year's trade deadline. There's five different forwards. What's been the biggest shift in your mind? Because we saw this a lot in the first three months last year, and then the wheels came off. Every guest we've had on, we've talked about that and they go, I don't feel like the wheels are going to come off this year. I don't feel like what is the biggest difference in goal differential defensive play everything that you've seen from this team this year?
3: Yeah, you know, I don't get the sense that it's going to fall off either. If it, if it swoons, it's not going to as badly as it did last year. And maybe famous last words from the analyst, but I think that there's a lot of signs in place. So for me, biggest differences are, I'm going to say, twofold. One is that last year, bonus's defensive system, where it's zone-heavy, the man-to-man component of Maurice's system is long gone now. Last year, it was new, and there were times when, if you got the Jets running around a little bit, some of those old habits would come out. They'd go. One player would turn towards man-to-man, the other would stay to zone, and things would get a little bit hairy in the defensive zone if they spent too much time there. This year, if you watch even shifts where other teams are getting long stretches of zone time against the Winnipeg Jets, their commitment to their zone defense is excellent. You, you can count three players uh, between the dots and in front of their goalie at almost all times five on five. They're protecting the middle of the ice, the guts of the ice, as they like to say, and that's been so consistent. And just in a sentence part of the reason they're doing so well at that is the addition of players like Nino Niederreiter, Vladislav Domestikov, Gabriel Velarde. Um, You know, you can go down the line of Alex Ayofalo. All of this in the last, you know, in a four-month stretch, Winnipeg acquired from the trade deadline to the draft. All of these guys are particularly good at these hard, gritty things that Winnipeg has needed to improve on for a lot of years.
0: Mark Shifley, uh, Murat Atash, he has been absolutely fantastic. What's changed with Mark Shifley's game from last year to this year? Um, that just has him take this, uh, I mean, everybody, the thing is, I, I wouldn't even say it was a meteoric rise because I think a lot of people knew that he had this in him.
3: Yeah, he's done so many great things in the NHL for so many years. His defense at times has looked like, you know, um like he believes somebody else is going to win the puck and send him up ice that yeah, his absolute worst defensive situations that's what it would look like from time to time but you're not seeing that you're seeing him come back to the goal you're seeing him commit to that zonal defense you're seeing him do all of those things his active stick in the defensive zone is lifting sticks knocking pucks down and sending the puck up ice and so that line he's on has phenomenal defensive metrics it's uh, it's really been a treat yeah, with the and eelers of late as well, too. And once they have business handled, they commit down low, they win the puck, they knock it down. Well, they've got the green light to send two wingers or a winger and a center up ice looking for stretch plays, too. So it's turning into offense for them, which I think is just great to see.
2: This matchup with Boston tomorrow, I, I don't know why. I just have a feeling this is like, I mean, if they lose, nothing's going wrong. And if they win, it's not going to get better than it already is. But yet it's such an interesting matchup to me. How do you see it?
3: I mean, <laughs> I guess the same, same sort of way in terms of the stakes. The, the first half of the season has been so good that one game is not going to undo it. Boston's obviously a great team. And, uh, you know, if Winnipeg wins, uh, the, the good vibes will continue. I think that for me, the Bruins are a team that are coached Well, like, uh, you know, league leading in terms of coaching, you keep looking for that team to fall apart uh, with Bergeron gone and things like that, but they never do. And I think that it's because they're one of the most committed five on five structural teams in, in the NHL and they can find a lot of different ways to hurt you. So big test for a Winnipeg Jets team that believes that it can be one of the top teams as well.
0: Uh, Dylan Sandberg, uh, he makes a fantastic stretch pass to Axel Janssen-Fialbi, springs him. Uh, big goal there. Uh, he's got some big blocks uh, and some great play on the PK. How is his game rounded out?
3: Yeah, just a tremendous defensive player. You know, I, he's a little bit throwback, only a little bit, in that he's primarily a defensive success. You know, he knocks, uh, he knocks bucks down, he takes bodies out, he doesn't get beat back door. You look at his defensive metrics, they're excellent. Um, and then with the puck, too, that stretch pass to Jonsson Fiabi for that goal was a, a tremendous bit of vision from him. I don't know that I've seen a pass quite as perfect as that from him so far, but he does have that toolkit in mm-hmm. his game, and, and it, it's nice to see. For me, though, he's a defense-first guy, and he's having just a, a really breakthrough season by by shutting plays down and being one of those guys that's contributing to the team-wide improvement.
2: Um. Gabriel Velarde, what did you expect from him this year? I know he's a point-of-game player. I don't know if we thought that he would be that this year. I thought he was the key to the trade before the trade happened if they were going to acquire somebody. Um, but he has so far been the real deal. With the injury in between Murat, what were your expectations when, when for this season with him?
3: So I'm going to brag a little bit here. JP yeah, feel I. free. Um, you can find The Athletic in September. You can find me saying Gabriel Velarde is going to be a point-per-game player this year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that one pat on the back, remind me the next time I'm wrong, just to even this out for the ego's sake. But the reason I was saying about that was when he was acquired, I did the video study. I watched. There's an LA Kings video where he's actually breaking down his own game, which is really insightful as well. But I watched a whole bunch of Kings minutes, and I saw what we're seeing now. It's the vision. It's the ability to protect the puck along the wall or in traffic and keep his head up the entire time. Like if you're out there watching Gabriel Velarde and wondering why he's so good, watch his heads up play, watch his eyes, ignore everything else for a shift. His head is up and that's why he makes stick handling moves in a phone booth through feet. That's why when he's got the fucking traffic on the wall, he's making plays to dangerous places like to Nikolai Ehlers for that beautiful goal yesterday. There's a lot of that going on and, between those abilities the way that you could imagine it fitting in with a, a guy like Mark Shifley and the fact that he played 14 minutes a night last year and he's playing basically 20 or 20 plus a lot of the time a year there's a lot of opportunity for a guy with his skill set to, to make this step forward and that's kind of what I hoped to see and uh and in September claimed we would see so I'll I'll, I'll just take that maybe get rid of me now because my head's getting too big. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I was going to say leave it to me to ask about the
2: one article I didn't read. Cuz I usually read, I usually uh, read your stuff. you know, so. you,
0: you know what we got to go, but I feel like Todd McLennan, I mean, I remember him coming in and talking about those hard years he had yeah. with McLennan, the head coach of the of the LA Kings, driving home, defense first, defense first into him and he said it was it was tough. Todd was tough on him. And it it seems like the Winnipeg Jets are are, are reaping the the benefits of of those tough years he spent really driving home the defensive play in, in to Gabe Vellardi, Marat Atash, Jets Rider with the Athletic, uh, on the program, uh, Marat, thank you so much. You take care, okay, and uh, and and have a wonderful holiday season.
3: Yes, you too, guys. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks, Marat. All the best. Uh, and by the way, that's a great holiday gift: Uh subscription to the Athletic. Well worth it.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm a subscriber, Jim. I know you are. I am. Yes, two zero four seven eight zero. I got a
2: deal. I got one of those deals. They always offer. I pay you. full price. That's how much I care. Oh. I paid full price, and they offered me a deal, so I just took it.
0: I also have a deal on that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I also have the deal... (laughs) You haven't paid full price for anything your whole life. never.
0: 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Lots to get to. We'll talk about the game. Mark Shifley. Hey, there was an optional skate today who was out on the ice, and there's just tons to dig into that game as well and what we thought about Detroit's performance uh, last night. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 6.8 CJOB. So, Jim, I ask you this question here. What is a more disappointing storyline in the National Hockey League right now. Jonathan Huberdeau on a nine-game pointless streak, uh, on pace for 38 points. Uh, he's in the first year of a 10500000 million million-dollar seven-year deal with the Calgary Flames. Or Alex Ovechkin, 14 games goalless. He's only got five this year. Still needs 67 to pass Gretzky in the all-time goals list and two more years after this year uh, at his current contract of 9.5. What do you think Jim, which one is more disappointing?
2: Or Pierre Dubois one assist in 11 games, 10 games? <laughs> I didn't bring that up. Um, no, That's on on this, that's not on this one. You know what, it's really tough for both cuz Jonathan Huberto um that is he's he's a third line guy now. At 10 and a half? I mean, how you dig yourself out of this and the mental weight of what's going on? That's tough, but um I will say Ovechkin. I, I think Ovechkin's in... This is a record I thought he was going to break for sure. Mm-hmm. He can't keep on playing for the Washington Capitals. They have nothing around him. Yeah. They, they have no depth left. Backstrom's gone with injury, probably not coming back. I looked at their lineup last night. He had an assist on the overtime winner for a point. But this goal thing, which I thought was going to be done probably early next season. I thought he was going to get 35, 38 this yeah. year, 40 and then finish it off next season. I think it's in real danger because they don't have any talent around him.
0: He's going to have to do it on the Pittsburgh Penguins. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, We'll be right back. The Winnipeg Jets. What do we think about the game against – what do you think about Detroit's game yesterday? Well, we'll hear from uh, the Jets locker room, Detroit locker room, when we come back.
2: Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.
1: You know, it's kind of spiraling right now, and and, – it's a lot of hockey, but we can't make excuses. We, we had to come into here and, and uh, find a way, and we didn't. Uh, we, we found the opposite. We, we lost our D-zone D coverage. Um, we've been struggling with that of late, and they exposed us tonight. And uh, we hung Rhymes out to dry uh, with back doors and extended zone shifts for, for Winnipeg. So, um, you know, I think uh, we've really tried it all the past... Couple of weeks, different line combinations, um, different coaching. You know, coming in and being hard, trying to pump us up, whatever it is. But it's got to come from within the room, and and uh, um, you know, every guy's got to be better. And that that sounds cliché, but tonight it was uh, um, very apparent that every guy needs to be better.
0: That was Dylan Larkin uh, in the Detroit. Red Wings visiting locker room yesterday following the five two loss to the Winnipeg Jets, um, uh, a, a tough game. And I'll say this, Jim: I while I say the Jets were very impressive yesterday in how they played. Uh, the depth showed up. The defense, got, uh, you know, got involved. Uh, you know, Josh Morrissey made an incredible pass that did end up on the score sheet to to Cole yeah. Perfetti. That uh, James Reimer made a beautiful save on. Um and I I as impressed I was with the Winnipeg Jets I was not impressed with the Red Wings yesterday uh, I I didn't think they were very good uh lapses and is what Derek Lalonde the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings referred to it a bunch of lapses I saw that um I, I didn't see much energy I didn't see much fight back from the from the Red Wings during that game uh, I, at at points I felt like they kind of just uh, accepted their fate. In that game, so um, while I while I've been kind of high on the Red Wings over the course of this season, uh, they're in a bit of a slump now. Um, I know they've lost four in a row now at this point, uh, but I was not I was not impressed with them. I, I I expected more from the Detroit Red Wings, and if that team is going to make the playoffs, um, and, and again, this is only the one game that we see from them. Uh, or we've seen two now, but uh, this is the last time we'll see from the Red Wings uh, this year. I I think they're going to have to be a heck of a lot better if they're going to find a way to get into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I I didn't like the way they played either, and um, I think a little bit of that has to do with how the Jets, how well they played, but you're right, and and it looked like uh, LaLon, the coach, was shifting lines and cutting ice time. I mean, Patrick Kane had some lost shifts there for a bit um, during his game as well last night, so I didn't really like the way they played, but um, I, I, I think that's a lot to do with the Jets, right? And mm-hmm. it's um, what's lost in the season they're having and the way they're playing is is the road it took to get here. Yeah, and I'm not when I say the road it took to get here like anything solidified or anything like that. This team needs to to win some playoff rounds. This team needs to achieve more than it has achieved in seasons in the past. But I, I think what they've gone through has gotten them to this point. Yeah. I think that's why you're making deals for nita riders and, and Nemestikovs. I, I think that's why you're you're not making deals at the deadline. Um, it improves your team at the deadline, but not necessarily for that season, but the overall picture. And then you bring in some more out of depth and now it's working, right? And and Kevin Cheveldayoff is a bit of the toast of the town around the NHL. Yeah. Not this town, but every other town. I wonder, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not asking how Jets fans feel about Kevin Cheveldayoff this year because I think most Jets fans are remembering last year in January 1st, number yeah. one of the West, and then the wheels fell off. I would love to know at the end of the season and into the playoffs what Jets fans think of Kevin Cheveldayoff, because... It's the toughest job in the year in the league, but he has gone out and addressed the issues that he needed to face and and has solidified the lineup. The one thing I do want to talk about, this is my last show before the new year. So yeah. I wanted to bring this up. A couple of years ago, I'm this is my point to Chevron Deoff and what he did to augment around this. A couple of years ago, Mark Shifley was written off the Olympic radar by many people. Yeah. Not the people in the Olympic radar. I have no idea what those people were thinking. Um, Josh Morrissey was the same. Josh Morrissey went from a rookie year and another year after that to being in consideration and could he break the top six when there was the Shea Webbers of the world and Alex Petrangelo's and uh, Eric Carlson's and things like that. I think both of those guys are not only on a Canadian Olympic team. I think they're starting I think Mark Shifley has gone from maybe a fourth liner to maybe being the extra forward to maybe not being on the team to being in the top six on the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. There's no Bergeron anymore. Um, there's John Tavares, but who's better, John Tavares or Mark Shifley? And who you would play those guys with? And if it would be like Crosby's going to be around because he's having a really good year. Yeah. So I would think if the Olympics are in the next year or two, Crosby would still be around. Bedard would be on it for sure. But, I mean, Mark Shifley and Josh Morrissey have gone from, I remember being told by several people on social media, they got to ship that contract to Seattle, like they did Toby Enstrom for Vegas and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, And this is where I'll circle back to Kevin Dayoff. He didn't. Yeah. He re-signed this guy. He stuck with Josh Morrissey. I mean, we don't see everything that goes on in the room and we hear rumors and we love to speculate about it like most yeah. fans do. But I think the wherewithal for who to keep, who not to keep, which direction to go, whom to pay and whom not to pay, uh, are there mistakes in there? For sure there are. But this roster going forward has a Chaz Lucius, a Rutger McGor- McGordy, mm-hmm. a Brad Lambert coming into it, a Ville Hainola coming into it. yes. You're not going to convince me, for all the people who continuously tried to tell me last year to blow this thing up, that this this lineup doesn't look good for the next three to five years.
0: Nikita Chibrikov also is having a great season with the Chibukov, Moose. Chibrikov, uh, This Wyatt bon Giovanni guy is, is really starting to showcase himself. Bauer him and safe. the Moose, who knows where he's coming. Chizum. Everybody loved Parker Ford in the preseason, I mean, too, as well. I mean, there's pieces.
2: I don't know where I'm going with this rant. I'm just saying, like, the idea that you... Mark Chipman said this on my show, and he said it on Darren Dreger's interview about ticket sales and all that. The word rebuild gets thrown away or blown up way too much in sports. Yeah. It really does. How's
0: it working for the Ottawa Senators and the Buffalo Sabres right now?
2: Especially when you have, what you do is you surround yourself with pieces, and then you decide which of the odd pieces need to go and need to get better. And I think he's done this with this lineup. Back to my point of, again, if there's an Olympics coming, Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey are on the Canadian team. Connor Mar- Halibuck, Kyle Connor are yeah. on the American team. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Mark Shifley is having the best year
2: of his NHL career. Yeah. He is phenomenal. And so I will say this about Dubois and his struggles. I believe Dubois is a 60 to 70 point player year in Europe. Year
0: yeah, and we're getting we we in the text we get him every year. There's he's always <laughs> see it's like when you had him up against Patrick Laine, right? Amongst yeah. his fan base, there was always going to be that comparison. he will be the
2: lightning rod for the next 5 years. Exactly. Every time he does something bad.
0: They're always going to say, "Look at what Liney's doing, look at what Patrick uh look at what um, uh, PLD was doing." It's gonna be the same thing forever. Every look at Gabe Velarde, look at look at what um, look at what Pierre uh, Luc Dubois is. Do I think Pierre Luc Dubois is better than what does he have like twelve points right now in twenty nine games or something yeah. like that? I he's listen. We all know we watched Pierre Luc Dubois play for a number of years. He's but he is better than that points total. He yes.
2: is. So here's what I'll say about that. I've had more agents than not tell me the first year of a contract is often the player's worse. Because that player, now, and not like coming out of the ALC contract, that big contract. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck um, struggled a little bit when he got his first six million per year deal. The opposite of that is the way Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele are playing now. It's not about there's an, okay, I got six million now, there's another contract four or five years from now, and I got a blah, 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 blah. All of that is gone, alleviated. Mm-hmm. This is their last big deal. They know they're going to be here likely for their career. All those thoughts are gone now. And I really believe the, the mentality of that is why they're playing so well and free and loose and good. Yeah. And the vice versa of that is, and I used to talk to agents, why? Why is the first year tough? Because you're no longer going back to your apartment. You're going back to your house. You're no longer going back to your house and having a nap. You're talking to the builder of your next house with your with your spouse. You have life-changing money. It's been solidified. And that first year of your deal, there is a ton going on. So I don't see Pierre-Luc Dubois not being a 60 to 70 point player year in, year out right now. (laughs) I see a guy who probably moved to Los Angeles, is getting to know a neighborhood, is getting to know a team, probably building something, probably has plans to look at every time he comes home, trying to remember where the grocery store is, trying to do all these things. And I'm not trying to alleviate it from I'm just saying these are the things that we don't look at. And I think it has a big reason to why Josh Morrissey, Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck are having the years they're having. And Pierre-Luc Dubois is, I'll weigh in on Pierre-Luc Dubois next season.
0: Yeah. Bring it all around, back around to Kevin off as you were mentioning, talking about him before. Just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying. All the big questions that... Could have been "quote unquote" distractions during training camp or heading into the early season. Every single one of them has been answered. Mark I, Shifley yeah. and Connor Hellebach both resigned. They're solid. All of a sudden, it's like, listen, we're still in on this. Those guys aren't gone. They're not getting shipped out. So that's the message they said—that's right. That's not what, That's not, that's a, that's the message you're sending to the to the Kyle Connors and the Josh Morrisseys and the Adam Lowrys and the Nick Healers is we're not we're not backing down. You trade away Pierre Luc Dubois and you fix an issue with depth. I don't think I don't think Pierre Luc Dubois was unpopular in this on this team amongst the guys. I really I don't believe that for a second. But I, but you know what he he was looking to go somewhere else. He, did he didn't not, want to be here. They're not immune that to all the rumors. That
2: doesn't make him a an, an, uh, a bad guy no. or unliked. What makes him unliked is he doesn't want to didn't want to be here long term. He
0: didn't want to be here and I, he like. I think there's some psychological, there's some mental stuff that happens there. You know what I mean? And Blake Wheeler, his time had come. The organization and him yes. had, had to come to a decision where they parted ways. All four of those were the real big question marks heading into the season. They were, every single one of them was dealt with. Now you, mid-season, you have a guy like Nito Niederreiter sign up, doesn't even take a race. He's continuing on with his $4 million contract for the next three seasons. He's staying here. You know what I mean? It's just like you're seeing the pieces start to form here, where it's like, listen, we're not we're not backing down. This is the message coming from the general manager to these guys: is we're going for this. We're still going for this. We're not we're not holding anything back. That reverberates, I think, in a locker room amongst a group of guys. And when you have them playing the way that they're playing right now, defensively, and how they have where there's there's the organization is buying into this group, and the group is buying into. the 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 situations and the systems that are being presented in front of them. That's why this team is where they are right now, and that's why it's this is different than last year. There isn't going to be a fallback. I'll say it right now on the air, right now. There is not going to be a fallback. These guys. I don't know if they're going to win the Central Division. Dallas and Colorado are still two good teams. They both have some issues right now, but the Jets got issues too. It's going to be a race to the finish there, but it's going to be a good dang race. And we're, you know what? Strap on for the ride because one of those three teams is going to win the Central Division. It's going to be tight, and it's going to be, there's going to be playoff hockey here in Winnipeg. And you know what? The Jets are going to have a dang good chance to get out of that first round and get out of the Central Division, and who knows what's going to happen after that. And to your
2: point, what was the number one thing when asked Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck said? About the contracts, yeah. At the end of the year, it wasn't. It wasn't. I've always been a Montreal Canadiens fan.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, you know, I kind of like the beach. Uh, it was. I want to win. Yeah, I want to win. That's what we kept hearing over and over again. And and I fell into it too. I'm looking at the lineup and the changes, and I'm like, you know, if they want to win, and there's a team that can afford them, but it wasn't. I need. A, I need to be the top three goalie paid in the league. We never heard <laughs> no, any of that. No. What we heard over and over is, I want to win. And somehow, over the course of the summer, which I would love to read a book about, the distance traveled or <laughs> yeah. thirty for thirty on the distance traveled from when that playoff series ended in Vegas until when those two signed. The, I would love to know the distance traveled, the conversations had, that the old set them free, and, and if they come back, yeah. they were all <laughs> always meant to be. That's right. I think that's what happened. I think it was like, we want you. We're going to build a winner. Enjoy your summer. Let us know what you think. I think there was some legwork done. We had New Jersey's kicking tires, but who can afford you? Who cannot? But at the end of the day, the money, yes, for sure. Don't get me wrong. The term, don't get me wrong, for sure, big factors. But they both wanted to win. And Kevin Chevaldayoff told them, somehow, we're in it to win it. Mm-hmm. We're not here to rebuild. We're not here to go in a different. And I look at the prospects coming, and I look at the contracts this lineup has going into next year and the year after. I don't know how they're not in it. Yeah, in the fight to win the next three to five years.
0: Let's take a break. Let's come back. 204-780-6868. 204 780 Let's take a break. Let's come back. Get some of your guys' text messages on. 204 780 68. Talk a little bit about Gabe Vellardi on the other side. Don't go anywhere. He's on a heater. A little bit
2: of one, yeah. He's on a heater red hot. Jets at noon on 680
0: CJOB. Um, unbelievable smart player. Um, to be able to come back after an injury uh, like he had that early in the season and play the way he's playing right now is, uh, you know, I've been through it. It's, it's hard, but it's really impressive. Um, and the work that he does in the ozone, behind their net, in the corners, with his stick, his stick handling is unbelievable. Um, and obviously those passes that he makes, you know, we just got to put it into and empty that pretty much. So it uh, makes, makes our job a little easier. Um, but us as a line, we've, we feel good. We read off each other really well, and, and that's exciting for us. He's got a sweet pair of mitts, that Gabe Villardi. Got nice hands. He's got some. He's got some pretty mittens.
2: Got nice hands. I like the way he works. I like the way he um, is physical and doesn't shy away from anything. He's yep. got the whole package. I've always thought of a power forward as six two, six three, two thirty. Mm. Tons of skill. Game changer. Drop man. the gloves. He's a power forward essentially.
0: Yep. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Now let's just take a moment. Talked a lot about Jets. Boston Bruins, 5 o'clock pregame show, 7 o'clock puck drop tomorrow. Big test for the Jets They head off on the Christmas break. Let's talk a little Christmas. What are your top five underrated Christmas movies, Jim Toth? I got my list here. Um,
2: top five underrated. Well, uh, well one underrated, but um, I don't think this is underrated, but Christmas Vacation is my go-to. That's the one I watch at least once a year. I love that movie.
0: G- Greg Mackling is not a fan of, uh, am I outing him as a Christmas vacation, anti-Christmas vacation Come on, guy?
2: Greg, he's Greg. Greg's a good guy. He's kind of like that movie, no? Well, he doesn't like I'm Christmas vacation. I'm outing him. Greg Mackling what? starts
0: to not like Christmas vacation.
2: Cousin Eddie? When he hits, <gasps> when, he, when he goes down. Greg's cousin Eddie, that's why. Oh. If, you, if you have a cousin Eddie, we know what we're talking about. But if you're like, I don't have a cousin Eddie. You're Eddie. Mm. Greg's Eddie.
0: Everyone's got a cousin, Eddie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christmas Vacation, I don't think it's underrated, but I love that movie. Um, of course, around the family is love, love Actually or Love Always? Love, love Actually. It's yeah. good. a good movie. It's a good movie.
0: It's good. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a
2: good movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Bad Santa is all-time most underrated top five Christmas movie. Hilarious absolutely hilarious and a good christmas message it's got a great you know shot that's lost in all the things that all the shenanigans what's lost in it is there's a great message at the end of it
0: yeah yeah exactly so when your kids are old enough just teach them the meaning of christmas it really does i beat the wheels off some kids today you did what uh I'll, I'll, i'll give you my list here fred claus is good with uh, Vince Vaughn, I like that one. Like Vince Vaughn and his shtick. Um, Jack Frost, I liked it as a kid. Kind of a w- weird-looking snowman. Yeah, weird. Uh, real weird-looking. I-, I don't think I'd like it now if I watched it. Like Kind of like Jingle All the Way. I love that one with Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: As a kid, but I, I watched it recently. It was terrible, but I'll put it in the list. Bad we- Santa I have on mine. But I'll tell you this. The number one most underrated Christmas movie, if you sort of like horror movies with like critters and stuff, Krampus.
2: It is fan-t- it. fantastic. Maybe I'll watch it this fantastic. year. Fantastic. Um, die Hard Christmas movie or no?
0: Um, Kyle Milroy, executive producer here at Six Eighty CGB, made a great point. He said a Christmas movie is a movie you seek out to get you in the Christmas spirit. Die Hard does not get you in the Christmas spirit. So I don't think it is a Christmas movie. I
2: don't think it, it just, is either. It
0: just happens to be take place this at Christmas. This is a whole
2: propaganda movement from people who want to watch Die Hard at Christmas. Doesn't make it a eyes, Christmas movie. Hey, eyes
0: Wide Shut, the Stanley Kubrick <laughs> masterpiece takes place during Christmas. Is that a Christmas not, movie?
2: Not a family Christmas movie <laughs> at all. That's not a
0: Christmas movie. Maybe once the kids are in bed. Jeffrey Fortune, thanks so much for producing the show. Jim told, I'm going to I'm gonna be in for you tomorrow. Santa, too. I'm going to be in for you tomorrow, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be back on the show. Merry Christmas, Jets fans. And Merry Christmas, everybody. See
2: ya. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB.